0: Welcome to the SENcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B-Squared and the host of the SENcast, the special needs podcast. Each week we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professional working in school and to empower parents. In this episode, my guest is Lana Grant. Lana is a specialist advisor within the field of SEN. She is an advocate for children with SEN and their families and has worked within the field of SEN for nearly 20 years specialism in autism. In this episode, we are talking about what will, what should, or what could education and the curriculum look like post-lockdown. Before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual SEND Conference? This is a conference we started running in 2019 that makes CPD, around SEND, more affordable and easier to access. It runs twice a year over the internet, but you can watch videos whenever you need to as they are always available. For more information, visit www.virtualsendconference.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. In this week's show, we are discussing, is it time for a new curriculum? With all the things we've learned post-COVID, is it time for change? And joining me today is Lana Grant. Lana has a diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome and is also a parent of children on the autism spectrum. Lana is a specialist SEN advisor and an advocate for SEN children and their families. Lana has written a book, uh, From Here to Maternity, Pregnancy, Motherhood on the Autism Spectrum. That was published in 2015. And Lana also contributes to various articles, podcasts and delivers talks at various shows and events. Welcome to the show, Lana.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So COVID has changed many things and children have been out of formal education for many months. And I'd like to also point out that some children have been out of school for even longer. Mm -hmm. Um, There's lots of talk of catch-up, of booster, of extra homework, or children already being behind, even though they haven't started school, and various other things being talked about. But there isn't much discussion around our most vulnerable children or the support that's been removed that needs to get back as soon as possible. Correct.
1: Yeah, I think it strikes me as it's really frustrating that very often that there is a lot of spin, a lot of words spoken about our most vulnerable pupils. And, you know, we've got to give them more homework. We've got to get them to catch up because they're behind. What exactly is it that they're behind? I'm not sure what what they're behind. I think, you know, all children develop at different rates. That doesn't seem to be taken into account when we look at, at the curriculum that we've got at the moment. And Children who are vulnerable have SEND, whatever difficulties they have access in that curriculum, why, why do people think that by giving them more of it is going to make them better at it? Because actually, if a, if a young person's brain does not work that way, and we've been, for example, I, I worked with a student once, and I, I came to him in year five, and I was told that they'd been trying to teach him phonics since reception. And he still couldn't get phonics and he hated phonics and he hated trying to read and therefore he would not read. And we were in a review meeting and I said, well, I know, let's stop phonics. And it was as if I'd suggested that we all stopped eating for 20 years. It was like, (gasps) stop phonics? And I said, yeah, because clearly it's not working. And he now has a block towards reading. And we want him to read. I mean, I'm really passionate about reading. I love reading, always have done. I said, we don't want him to have that, that, you know, that kind of mental block about reading. Plus, he's actually a really clever boy. He talks about lots of different things. He has lots of different interests. Get rid of the phonics. And... Lo and behold, we got rid of the phonics, although they still tried to sneak a few in every now and again when they were doing some kind of you know one-to-one teaching and, and focus groups with him. But he did then go on to secondary school and did read and would say to me, "I really like this book, Miss. I love reading this because do you know what? Not all our kids not all of our kids can learn in the same way, and we need to stop we need to stop de- delivering a curriculum that does not." for differences for different ways of looking at things for passion about different things it's almost like you're trying to spoon feed a baby that's totally full up they're just going to keep spitting it out because they don't get it and it's just not their thing and so what do we do we devalue those kids that can't follow the curriculum and hit the goal posts that have been put in place for them when actually what we should be doing is nurturing that difference and looking at where they are succeeding and let's put more of that in. You know, it's it's I don't know if you've ever seen the um the Animal House video where it's it's a video that talks about animal school, animal school.
0: Where I say, Animal House is a film from the seventies, very different, not this sort of podcast.
1: Just slightly showing up my age there, yes. And I've never seen that film. I'll just toga, to toga,
0: you. toga. For anyone who's watched it, you'll enjoy that.
1: Don't know what you're talking about, never saw it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um <laughs> Animal school. Animal school, yes. And they said animal farm, then that's something else that's different. So animal school, where you look at, you know, the the animals that can do things that come naturally to them. So, for example, the duck that does really well with swimming but doesn't do very well with climbing trees. So we make the duck climb more trees, for example. Kids that really struggle with phonics, instead of taking it away because oh, the rules say phonics works for all children and children have to learn phonics let's take it away and let's let's look at a different way of teaching children let's look at their learning style I've worked with children who we we sing we sing tricky words because they don't follow a phonic pattern and if you're autistic and you like things that follow patterns and then you come across a word that you cannot read phonetically how does that work because actually you you've You've told me that if I put all these funny letter signs together, I'll be able to read. But that word does not fit because it's a tricky word. How how do you help me to read that one? So it's about looking at different learning styles, I think. And it just infuriates me that we expect every child to learn in the same way, to hit the same milestones. Children are different. They're individuals. That just doesn't happen.
0: I think it comes back to, I've mentioned this with you on a previous podcast. I mentioned with others, it's that child development. Mm -hmm. So um, I did a podcast with Wendy Lee and she talked about phonology. And I just thought phonology was uh, saying adding ology on phonics. So phonology is just phonic, right there. And then learn, actually, no, phonology is the spoken version of phonics. It's different, Mm -hmm. it's the rhythm of words. So, and it's the importance of. Saying nursery rhymes and things like that because it gives you the rhythm on how to say a word. Yeah. That's like when you you struggle with a reading word, you're literally going, I can't read that. You almost, your head goes back to those rules and it teaches you how to read the words. It's not a phonic, it's a phonology thing. Yes. But if you are a year, you you come out of thinking, I want to teach upper junior or sort of a thing, I'm going to teach there Mm -hmm. year four, year five, then phonics and phonology, you just assume that's already been done. Yes. And uh, like a uh, literally language link. Oh, if, they, if, they, if they're struggling to uh, write a story, we just need to write more stories. Yeah. Rather than going, actually, is it there an issue with their uh, verbal reasoning? Is there an issue with their... Very, I think literally it's loads yeah. of stuff, but it's all because we haven't done that child development. Yes. You kind of don't know what stepping stones have got to that. You know from here where to go. Yes. It's like you're giving all the teachers only part of the map. Yeah. I yeah. know how to get from Oxford to Birmingham. Yeah. Okay, but how do I get to Oxford? Don't know. That's the year three teacher's job to get you to Oxford. I just know from Oxford to Birmingham. That's my part. And a little bit before Oxford yeah. and a little bit past Birmingham, but that's my world. Yes. And that I think is there needs to be more child development, but with budgets and CPD, as we've previously mentioned, very limiting. Yes. So one of the things I liked about the 2014 curriculum. Before we bash it too much, is they did talk about <laughs> the mastering the basics about you've got to have the building blocks mm. to yes, build absolutely. on top of it, yeah. which great. But then, as you said, it's quite prescriptive. So mm. here are the building blocks, mm. but we can only teach it in this way. Yes, and it's a bit like the old numeracy literacy strategies where everyone had to teach it the same way. So there is yeah. this thing where you have to, and it's like all those parents know, oh, I'm struggling with my maths. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just working out. No, no, you can't do it that way. You've got to do it this way. What do you mean this way? Two hours later, the parent is still trying to work out how you do the maths. Yes. The way the school is doing it. Yes. And I do think a lot of the teachers had a very steep learning curve in 2013, 2014, 2015. Yeah. With all these ways of doing things, all that extra vocabulary within yeah. English. Yeah. The uh, past progressive tense, which I now know what yes. that is. Yes. And uh, good. various other things. And, and thing is, I, I've learned a lot from helping my daughter go through the SATs. I've learned a lot. I can rearrange yeah. sentences much better for the purpose. I've looked at the keyword in that sentence and re- yeah. I'm literally sitting there going, I wish someone had told me that when I was younger. Yes. That went straight over my head when I was a child. That didn't happen. I missed a load of skills. And the fact I was in my late 30s and I learned about rearranging sentences and past progressive that there is a difference between I ran for the bus and I was running for the bus. Yeah. I don't know how I would use that difference, but I do know there is a difference. Literally going, okay, so part of me is going, there is a point to this. But Mm -hmm. is it the point of having the skills or is the point knowing the name of it? Yeah. So there's those sorts of things. But I think a lot of my lot of the issues how prescriptive it is
1: yeah I think that's the issue isn't it and I think you know yes it's great to to focus as as the you know the 2014 paper did focus on the building blocks but you've got to do it within a certain amount of time and if you don't do it within that amount of time well then I'm sorry because we're moving on and that's where our kids fall behind our children well you know most children develop in their own time well all children develop in their own time but for lots of children who have got the things going on whether whether it's a, a special need whether it's a home issue whether you know I've worked with children who have come into school and not had a hot meal since their free school meal the day before and again mentioned it before we go back to Maslow's hierarchy they're not thinking about affronted adverbial that's my that's my big thing that I don't like fronted adverbials I've written a book and I'm sure I did use a fronted adverbial maybe I don't know but did I go through my book and think oh no I haven't put a fronted adverbial in there no I didn't
0: if I gave you a lineup could you spot the fronted adverbial no that's how I don't know what one is
1: no, I couldn't and nor do I wish to. <laughs> no, well, I've been in classes and, you know, my job is to go in and observe and look at the environment for, for the pupil that I'm observing to look at, you know, their access to the curriculum, what support they're getting. And I've been in there and I've heard, and we're going to write fronted adverbials, and I'm sitting there thinking, what? What? I can't remember what one of those is. I, don't, I mean, I've, I know because I did look it up. But I've forgotten because it's really not that important to me. And that's my autistic brain working. Do I need it? Do I need to know what it's called? No. Am I using it? Maybe did in my book. But I didn't look through my book and go, you know, I need to put some fronted adverbials in there because it just didn't matter. And I remember saying once to to a teacher that I worked with, do you know what? I learned about Pythagoras' theorem. Have I ever needed it? Now, he was a former accountant and he went, You'd need it if you were an accountant. I'm not an accountant.
0: I did pure maths. I did a whole A level on pure maths, AS level on on mechanics, and AS level on statistics. I've not used much of it at all. No, but it's 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 one thing. And here you're saying we're today we're doing fronted adverbials, and I think that's the really wrong way of doing it. Mm. If I was going to do a lecture on uh, or a lesson on the ph in differences of different icing sugars yeah everyone would fall asleep
1: i don't know you got me quite excited then for a second
0: (laughs) okay i made made that up just to be clear that i made that up (laughs) but if you did a lesson on let's work out how to make a cake taste better we use different types of icing sugar yeah it's how you do that if you're literally i'm going to teach you a boring something it's going to yeah. go badly you're not going to yeah. get the engagement if you're going to sit here and go right let's work out how to make our stories more engaging how to maybe yes. m- add more excitement so when you when someone's reading it, they want to read it faster because it's going yeah. somewhere yeah oh uh, then well that's what fronted adverbial does yeah what's a fronted adverbial you, you've got to get yeah. that and that's the thing i think sometimes people have they deliver almost what it says and i yes. think and it says in the national curriculum, the national curriculum is just part of the school's wider curriculum. However, we're only going to pressure you and judge you on the national curriculum. Yes. Yeah. So then everything else kind of disappears. But you t- they yeah. talk about the international curriculum. You talk about the Forest schools. There's all these different ways of yeah. ma- delivering the national curriculum, which makes it more engaging. Yes, and that's the thing. It is all about the engagement, and whatever the curriculum is, the, to me, it's the job of the teacher is to make that lesson engaging for yeah. their children. Yes, no, how I ahead. teach cricket yeah. is going to be very different to how you would teach cricket because you're not yes. me and I'm not you. Then you've got your different children because yeah, I would have these children, you'd have that children. So just as soon as you do that, it starts changing. You can't just go well. This is how you teach this subject. It's really yeah. got to be differentiated. Yeah. down to your teaching style what equipment you've got and your children and their levels yeah. of interest
1: yeah definitely yeah i i think it's it's hard isn't it because i go into many schools and I see different different teachers in different stages of their careers. So, you know, I might see NQTs right the way through to teachers that have been teaching for a long time. Some that have been teaching for far too long and are, you know, maybe at the the end of their they've seen it all, done it all. It's come around 16 times, the same kind of thing. And I see some staff who are really, really desperately trying to make what they say is a very dry curriculum. They're trying to, to do what you've just said, you know, talk about, well, let's make a cake taste better. How do, you know, so they're doing that kind of stuff. But then I also see other staff who aren't doing that now because they've not got the experience, because they're not sure whether they can go out of those boundaries, because they're trying to deliver what's in front of them, because that's, as you said, that's what they get assessed on. That's what's looked at. And I just think that it's some kids are getting a really poor deal. Usually, most of the time, it's our kids, the SEND kids, you know, the ones who are maybe being doing something totally different, which is totally irrelevant because they're not even at the level where they, they know, they would ever know what a fronted adverbial was or care or need to because actually they've missed out on those, those stepping stones. Yeah. So when you look at, so what are we delivering? You know, I always find that our children will get up into key stage two and all of those things that they use, cubes for counting, all of those things, there's things that they can use to get their hands moving, that they can build, that they can make things, they're all removed, taken away. Because actually, in key stage two, you don't need those because you can do it this way. But many of our children need those still. And what's wrong? What's wrong with that? You know, we need to have all sorts of different things open to them, not just you sit here. And you do it this way and I can identify I have a real issue with maths. I think I'm dyscalculic and and I really just don't get maths and I'm scared of it. I'm actually quite scared of maths because it's right or it's wrong. There's no in between. So I'm a bit scared of it. But I have sat with my son and he's he's trying really hard to work something out. And he's showing me how he's doing it. And I'm just like, but that's so long winded. You are do it this way, do the chimney top method because that's what you know it's what I used to do, and he's got that much quicker. But then it's a case of well, he can't do it that way because he has to show his working out, and his working out has to be the method that we're teaching. Does that makes no common sense?
0: No, you basically he could have. The thing with maths is if go back to that cricket. If I said you're going to have to teach cricket that way, and you look at it and go, God, that's boring. Mm. Okay. Right, today we're going to learn about... Because you're not going to be enthused. If you've got to teach it a way that you don't quite get, you don't yep. enjoy, you're never going to get the children to pick it up because you're not that engaged, so they're exactly. not going to be engaged. When you just look at stuff like English and maths, and this is, it is a challenge, is the teacher has to get that. The teacher has to be able to go, this is how I do maths. Yep. I really find this easy. And look, this is really quick and easy. And then yep. that teacher's enthusiasm will help people yeah, that won't work for everyone. So you can go, right, okay, if you don't like it this way, how about this way? So if, yeah. if I was to do 19 times uh, 33, I would do 33 times 10, double it, take mm-hmm. away 33. Yeah. I can do it all in my head. You look at the way my kids do it, I'm literally going, why are you doing, it just doesn't make sense. My, my daughter's writing it out and she's literally written it out and I'm going, the answer this. She's like, just, yeah, write.
2: I'll
0: write it out, I'll show how to write it out. And, What's interesting is I was teaching her to this in year three. Time she got to year five, year six, that's how she was doing it. I'm like, yes, you could have saved three years of your life if you just yes. If if this makes sense to you in your in year three, that's how you do it. You've unlocked that achievement. Let's move on. Yeah, other children try different ways. Yes, and it's like you said, phonics. If phonics doesn't work, try a different way.
1: Absolutely, and it's this. It's this. Inability to move to deviate from from the curriculum that a lot of staff struggle with because they're they're scared they're scared that if they try and do it a different way they would be wrong so they're not empowered. I think that's part of what I find with this curriculum is that it's so prescriptive that a lot of stuff aren't empowered to to say well you know like you just said well I I find if I do it this way it's it's really easy because although when the the new curriculum was you know was kind of hailed as all oh, this is our new curriculum that's being delivered. And we're moving away from the dreadful national curriculum that was so prescriptive and everyone had to do it the same way. At least there was some scaffolding there for staff who were experienced and they could take from the national curriculum, the, pre, the pre-2014 one, what they wanted and build on it and deliver it. And it also gave NQTs a little bit of scaffolding whereas this one is you will do it this way this way this way they need to learn this 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 and this end of there's no freedom of movement there to kind of incorporate different things you know i i went to primary school and it was hitting me you know you get a teacher if one teacher really enjoyed learning about the egyptians you probably learn about the egyptians for the whole of the year now i've come out of school and okay i'm not i'm not oxbridge i'm not I'm not a doctorate, I'm not, you know, the cleverest woman on the planet, but I get by. So I think, you know, the fact that my teacher made, I can still remember those lessons. So there was some excitement there. And and I have to say, I don't think that many of our children will come out from having gone through this curriculum, remembering anything other than SATs.
0: One of the things, so if you don't want to be squared, we're all about assessment. We're all about breaking things down yeah. into small steps. We do the English curriculum, but we also do the Scottish, and we're currently doing Wales have a new curriculum coming for 2022, which we're doing. But one of the, it's interesting in Scotland within literacy, so they call it literally, not English. They have reading, writing, listening, and talking. Yeah. But the organizational areas within those are the same, and the top one in all three areas is enjoyment and choice. And I look at that and I look at that and I always go, yep, in England, we've got rid of both of those. There yes. is no enjoyment and there is no choice. It's all about, you learn this because you have to. Yes. I look at people who are like, oh, I think I'm going to do a master's or a this in psychology or anything like that. And I'm literally going, mm. you just want to go through more years of education? It's not fun. It wasn't the fun the first time. Why wouldn't you go back? And that's what you're kind of teaching children. You're teaching them with this curriculum is it's not fun to learn
1: yes yeah well that, that's what, the danger what always strikes me is that in the early years we talked we you know there, there are all of the the columns of you know you're looking at be bold and be brave and be creative and think about things and you know pull things apart and examine things explore explore and then they get to year one and it's sit down and learn some phonics and we've got rid of that you know you can be creative you can question you can be curious we've got rid of all of that by year one and it just I just find it really frustrating I remember I was I was My my little boy hadn't started school when, obviously I was working in school, he hadn't started school when the new curriculum came out. And I looked at it and I could have cried because I did not want my child to go through a dry curriculum like that where, where there was so much emphasis on assessment, assessment, assessment. Now, don't get me wrong. I do like a nice little assessment tool because that's the way my brain works. I like to look at where people are starting from and I like to look at the steps they make to get there but what i don't like is them having to tick the box for fronted adverbials or any other such grammar that then they've got to know the name and that until they've done that they can't move on because actually that's that's not helpful what we need is a curriculum where children are learning about life that would be really good let's learn about life let's learn about you know how to i mean one of the schools that i went into had a bank they had a charity that ran a bank. The bank would come in, but it didn't just come in and say, right, well, you can open a savings account with us, give us your money every month, you know, your pound every month, and we'll save it in this for you. They actually spoke to them about budgeting, about housing costs, about mortgages, about all of that stuff that you need to know to be an adult going out into the world that a lot of lot of young people don't know. Now, if you are somebody who is who has a disability or a need then you are at the bottom of the pile to know about that information because no one is interested in telling you, but actually that's what you need. I needed that. I could have done with someone telling me how to manage money. I can't, still can't do it now. How, man, how to manage your money, how to, how to save, how to look at the job you want to afford your life. So I, I didn't know any of that. And I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for any children, actually, because as long as we've got that, that block and that barrier then we've still got this divide of, you know, the top 10% and the bottom 10%. Let's let everyone be able to understand how mortgages work, how finance works, how, you know, how how you grow through learning, learning things like that and how you can achieve what you want in life. If you want your own house and you want your own car, this is how you need to do it. And it's, I'm afraid, not by knowing what a fronted adverbial is. So stop, what, I'll stop. I'll stop bashing fronted adverbials
0: now. I'll, I'll, look, I'll be looking it up at the end. So <laughs> one of the things um, I do think Ofsted really have a get a bad name for not necessarily the right reason. So mm. Ofsted have changed a lot over yes. the last ten years. Yeah. So they went from anyone can get an outstanding to unless your grades were right, you couldn't get a good. If your grades were bad, it doesn't matter how much work you put in, how amazing your school is, your grades gave you a glass ceiling. Yeah. So with the new 2019 inspection framework, I like it. I like what Mm -hmm. they're going towards. I like their decision-making process. Um, And when people bash off, when you actually ask about it, what they're talking about is when I had my last inspection in 2014, I'm like, right, I'm ignoring you then. Yes. If you've had an inspection since September 2019, tell me how it went. Don't tell me how a bad inspection went five years ago because that was somebody else's decision. It's changed. I want to hear how it's going now. So. Yeah. I think Ofsted get a bad rep, but generally, when people are moaning about Ofsted, they're not moaning about Ofsted. What they're moaning about is Sats and league tables. Yeah,
2: definitely.
0: And local authorities pushing that. So it's not Ofsted pushing your league tables no. now. They've gone. Let's leave league tables behind. Let's mm-hmm. leave your scores behind. Let's look at what you're doing in your school and your various thing. What is your taste? They've moved away from it, and we're now left yeah. with the league tables for the Sunday newspapers once a year local authorities pushing it you're in there uh, you're only the fifth school in the local authority we want to be the best local authority yeah. and all that comes down to is nationally the PISA scores yeah and previously I think Finton commented that a lot of the schools countries who well on the PISA scores really aren't best in terms of whole child happiness
2: mm-hmm.
0: and various other indicators so yeah. basically chasing those PISA scores isn't going to lead anyone to happiness apart from as a country we get bragging rights that we're the top but I don't think it's worth it I really think I'd rather leave PISA alone go back to what you were saying about what is right what's important for the children
2: Mm.
0: and doing that that to me I think hopefully there's currently they're saying that the 2021 phonics tests and SATs tests are all going to go ahead we'll see it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting year of changes up and down where we actually find out that actually children haven't aren't that far behind. Because mm. as you said at the beginning, le- learning isn't linear. No. So beginning of September, there's not a huge amount of learning going on that first month. They're all settling no. in. New class, new school, various other things, catching yeah. up with friends, new teachers. And then they start learning throughout that term. I think a lot of learning happens in the spring term. Then yeah. it kind of flattens out in the summer term. Yeah. So the fact that they missed the summer term
2: mm-hmm.
0: means it's the least impact for a yeah. lot of children. Yeah. However, it does mean that for some children now, the transition back into school will have a big impact because it's a longer yeah. trend. Yeah. So we're all speculating. And it'll be interesting to see yeah, when all the dust settles, how are, where are the children on all these things? Mm. Is it a case of actually, yet yeah, our SAT scores are down, but actually... Some of our children who were maybe more anxious, maybe a bit more fragile have become mm. stronger and more confident, yeah so yeah. what what are the benefits? what has changed over lockdown that might not be represented under a Pisa system?
1: yeah, I think you know I was just thinking about how we don't we don't measure our children's success on how kind they are to their friends on how they think about other people how they present themselves as a class together some you know quite quite often our children are quite it's like you think you said you said previously that some children they grow up and they accept children accept everyone for who they are and so if you've got a class of children very often if they've grown up together and you've got two or three children in there who do have some difficulties and struggles and find things hard the rest of the class will very often support them. And grow up with them we don't reward our children for that we don't say oh that's that's really good let's look at friendship and social skills we don't reward our children for the fact that maybe while they've been out in lockdown they've learned something about how flowers grow they've learnt about nature they've learned about different types of plants and animals because all of that it's well that's not important now because we've got to look at this we've got to look at what's on the curriculum and we've got to go through that. And I think that's where we're getting it wrong. I think as a country, we've we've just got the whole prospect of learning and, and how our children should be wrong. My children, my I've got older children, and they went to not the school that was the top of the league tables. They went to a school that was quite a bit down because actually it had a speech and language resource base attached to it. And the comment always was, well, you know, because... Because you have to use the resource base scores and progress, it brings the rest of the school down. So, we're not going to send our children there because we want them to be in the school with the top, you know, top of the local authority lead tables. My children went to that school with a speech and language resource base. And the proudest moment I can remember is my children standing up in an assembly signing because they had a boy in their class who was Down syndrome and he signed. Now, to me, that's a really important skill, but yeah. it's not measured. It's, it's, no, no, well, that's, yes, it's all very nice, but actually we need to do this. But there's, sign there's, language.
0: There's multiple layers to that. There's multiple mm. layers to someone learning sign language who doesn't need it. There's the empathy, mm-hmm. the friendship. There's yeah. the, so many layers to that. And I think what this all comes down to is if we look at exams, what are an exam? An exam is a quick way of finding out if children know something. Yeah. It can be marked quickly, yeah. a couple of months apparently. But it, with those tests, is, we then have to go, okay, so what can we test? And if you look at, in the P levels, we had reading, we had writing, yeah. we had listening, receptive, and speaking expressive.
1: Yes. Big but fun of the P levels.
0: But the listening and speaking, two separate areas, you can't stick that in a test. You can't give them a piece of paper and test that. So, mm-hmm. in the new pre key stage standards, there are no, there's nothing for spoken language or receptive or expressive. It is just the reading and the writing. Yeah. And yet, before reading and writing become spoken language, if you're not yes. looking at spoken language, it's really going to, it's like trying to work out who done it without realizing someone's died or something. It, it's Absolutely. really, you're yeah. missing out most of the clues. And, and that's the thing they sit there and just go oh we can't test it so therefore we won't and that's what I look at I look at a lot of the stuff they do and go and if they can't test it they won't measure it how yep. can you how can you test how friendly someone is to someone in their child how, literally you can't because not yep. every child will have that experience so yes. you can't well you haven't had someone who needed help in your class so I'm going to mark. Yep. you can't so it's it's a skill that will stay with that child forever it will shape yep. that child forever yeah. It'll be worth more to that child in their career than an extra two percent. Yes. It's 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 what you can measure. And um one of the things as I've been thinking about this, it irks me more and more each each time I think about it is when the 2014 curriculum was announced, there was a lot of talk about all children in year three should be assessed against year three.
2: Mm.
0: And then they gave you end of year outcomes for year three or year three and four, and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So they gave you this. So they then said, this is what a child should achieve in year three.
2: Mm.
0: Now, when years ago, so b squared we do assessment, and one of the advertisers, advertisements we ran at the time was, we started using Shakespeare quotes. So it was uh, sort of a rose by any other name, doesn't smell as sweet. Yeah. We had a level by any other name, doesn't taste as sour. Because <laughs> all they did is they renamed the level to year, and we all yeah. ran along. Is. That's all yes. that happened. Gove didn't yeah. like word levels. Wanted to do years, and we all moved yeah. on. Yeah. And all the assessment systems, everyone went on to the end of year outcomes. Mm-hmm. But because this speech happened at the beginning, when we were all trying to work out what to do with all children in year three should be assessing into year three, in a lot of systems, yeah. all children in year three are now assessed against year three. You cannot say they're working at year two. Yeah. They're against year three. So you will always yeah. say they're a year year three emerging, yes. or they're developing, yeah. or they're. Yeah. Something year three, some other word
2: yep. with a letter that
0: you can use. Yes. And it, what that does is nothing. It doesn't help anyone because that child in year three working at year one, yeah, if you say he's in year three but he's working at year one, wow, okay, so he's quite behind mm-hmm. compared to he's in year three, he's working at year three emerging.
2: Okay. Yeah. It,
0: yep. It's very different. You're not actually helping anyone. You're not helping that teacher no. understand he's two years behind. No. you're everyone you're basically saying to everyone there's nothing wrong here move on yeah that's what i don't like about it
1: yeah you're not saying that to parents either because parents don't necessarily understand year three emerging or or any of that language
0: and next year he's made loads of progress because he's now in year four emerging
1: yes. <laughs> yeah so if you have to speak to that parent that potentially their child may be having some struggles that parent is in total shock and denial because but they're fine they're they're working at the same level of the rest of their class because that's what they feel they've been told by the teacher because that well my child you're three emerging well that's all right isn't it you know it's probably only a little bit behind then you know he'll he'll catch up and then so you're you're speaking to parents who have absolutely no idea maybe that their pair their children are struggling because maybe they don't have they've not had a good school experience themselves so they don't kind of they, they just sit there and accept what's being said and think yeah well he's fine it's he's not going to be like me he's going to have a good experience or she or maybe because they're they're just well okay that's they're doing really well then that's fine i'm, I'm I putting
0: my trust in the school if there is yeah, a problem because they're
1: professionals tell
0: me, so i have a big i have huge issues around that and then you sit there and go, oh, fine, let's just say, yes, yeah, so he's in year two. But the problem is, is a year three teacher goes into year three.
2: Yeah.
0: All the resources are labeled year three. Yes, year three maths, year three yes. writing, year three English, year three geographies, all year three, year three. Yeah. So what do you do for a child struggling in year three? You look for year three content to help. When it was a level, you just go, oh, he's struggling at level two. Okay, well, what's on yeah. the lower level? It's like, it's a thing. He's in year three, so I can't look at year two content. Yeah. It's like teachers are just kind of, some teachers are literally going, he's in year three, I can only look at year three. It's like, no, you need to drop down to year two or year one. But oh, there's nothing beneath that. Well, there is. Yeah. Just The government's made it really hard because there's no actual government thing apart from the pre-key stage standards and do not use the pre-key stage standards for in-year assessment is only end of key stage. Do your own yeah. thing, including still use the P levels. Yes. It just that really hasn't helped um and just another thing to touch on when you talked about look when you looked at early years all that mm. in play and encouraging and discovery yeah. and pulling things apart and then you move yeah. to year one and each year after it decreases doesn't it oh it yes more robotic yes so when you have a child in year five
1: mm.
0: working below a level of year one mm. don't just look at what skills they should learn mm. look at the environment they need Yes. So a child in reception at that level makes progress because they're in the right environment to support that progress.
2: Absolutely. If you
0: put that same child in the year six classroom, they wouldn't make that progress. No. No. So I'm not saying put a sandpit in year six. I'm not (laughs) saying, I'm saying how could you do something that was age appropriate that the child probably didn't feel was drawing attention to them. Yes, more individual, but how could you support them? Yeah, almost like in a level appropriate way for the level they're working. Yeah, so you, you, if you're looking, if you're looking, you're going to the bottom half of the school, look around year one, look around year two, you've got all the sentence starters.
2: Yes, yeah,
0: you've got all these stuff around the classroom, all these frequently used words, spelling child in year six working at that level. Hasn't got any of that. You can make a little flip but There's lots of things you could do. Support that child.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've got because obviously I'm I'm not based in anyone's school, so I'm like a travelling circus because I've got boxes and boxes of jigsaws. I've got play doh. I've got clay. I've got sensory things, and I have to take all of them with me wherever I'm going, whichever whether whether I'm going to infants nursery secondary and I do one-to-one work with children which means that they come out and see me so actually what I'm doing with them isn't setting them apart from their peers and you know they haven't got peers who particularly in kind of year seven who are saying well what are you doing that for that's babyish because of course we get all of that don't we but they'll come out and when they can realize there's a different way of doing things you start to see the pennies drop and and you think hang on this is making a difference. This is what they need. But to try and get that across to the staff, because they they are very rigid, it's like, well, well, no, we don't do that in year seven. We don't give them that in year seven or year five. I'm not just picking on year seven or year four, because that's not what we do. Why is that not what we do? Who said? What, the government? Because the government aren't educationalists. It's just, well, that's what we've said you do or you don't do. You know, we've we've all, I mean, apparently we've all got lots of common sense. That's what, you know, the government have told us during COVID. We we'll trust the public's common sense. So we all have lots of common sense. Teaching staff have lots of common sense. So they know that this is wrong. They should be able to give the support to those kids that are operating at that level. But again, they're constrained and I think not empowered. And I've been into some schools that have got alternative provision on site. So they will actually take... A cross-section of children from different classes who all have different needs and are operating at different levels and they will deliver a curriculum to them that is broken down for all of those children so it's almost like an individual curriculum but actually they are doing it together but at their level so there's a high staff ratio to child ratio and those children come out, and my son has been part of of one of them, which is why I know how successful they can be. Because my son went from coming out of school as as a complete nervous wreck, looking worried, he got the the frown and that tense look, to accessing alternative provision and coming home laughing in the car. They'd use the iPads to learn. They'd done this. They'd done that. Uh, they'd been out in the sensory garden. They were making making things that. That's what we're talking about. That's what learning should be like.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. But I really need to tell the important question of how mm-hmm. did that affect his SATS results?
1: Uh he hasn't done them yet. <laughs> <laughs> and he won't be doing them. Can I just point that out? He do <laughs> he did when he was do you know what? When he was in year two, his teacher came out and she was a visible nervous wreck. Kind of and she kind of said, you know, he hasn't he hasn't achieved what was predicted and she said I was really worried about telling you because he's so bright but he just he didn't and I said you know what I don't care I'm not interested and the relief on her face because she clearly thought that I might be one of those parents I was gonna say what what I said you know what I don't care about sats I have no interest in them I've had enough children now I think sats came into being and you might be able to correct me on the timeline but my eldest son is 30 now so 20 something years ago 20 years ago sats came into being so i've had all of my children have done sats
0: no i think 1993 would have been when the key stage three sats were supposed to start but they were boycotted that year right so because i was in year nine and we spent the whole year reading a book on the midsummer night's dream then when they got boycotted my teacher was like, "Well, that's a whole year wasted, because all we did and this was this was the first year. All we did in that year was prepare for the SATs."
1: Exactly, that's all you were doing. Well, my son is my son's thirty. My oldest son is thirty, so he went to school nineteen ninety four because of where his birthday for, September ninety four. He did Key Stage two SATs, and has it really affected his life? No, because then it's just on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing.
0: I'll I'll tell you whose life it's affected. Do you want to know? Go on then. Teachers. It's made it worse. It's
1: made it worse. It's all it affects.
0: It affects teachers. It gives local authorities and Sunday newspapers and the league table producers someone to hit them over the head with. Yes. But going back to the thing you were saying about the difference it made to your child is that Mm. doesn't come out in a SAT score. Therefore... Mm. Schools often won't do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now, that's, a down, that's the thing is that when I, was, when I was a chair of governors, I think I look at the uh, full governing body meetings, mm. and generally, more or less, one whole meeting was discussing a year out of six meetings, more or less, a meeting, maybe a meeting and a half worth of time was yeah. nothing about, nothing less than just SATS results.
2: Yeah.
0: How are we going to do? Where are we going to do? What went wrong? What went right? Yeah. How are you going to change it for next year? Yeah. And it was all about making sure the top didn't slip that one and they all like, oh, they're not gonna make it. Yeah. And that's all we t- they're not gonna almost like that and they're not gonna, they're not gonna yeah. achieve. So let's move yeah. on.
1: Let's wipe them off. Let's let's you know, write them off now in in your two <laughs> or your six, let's write them yeah.
0: off. And it, in reality what you should be doing is saying, right, they're making it, cool, they're, they're on track, so we're happy yeah. about that. but these there? They're, 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 but yeah, no, we're happy, we're happy, they're good. We they might do more, but we're good, they're making it. Yeah okay yeah. what about these lot okay now we need to have a conversation we've got that's how it should happen but no yes. it's the opposite
1: yeah yeah Is that success? well we won't worry about those because they won't achieve it anyway so we'll focus on these children and the one thing i do have to say and i'm you know my, my son i'm lucky because actually his school that you know they've been very good but when his year group did sats obviously my son is aware of sats because he's heard of the children talking about it so i think quite often parents talk more than stuff but he did my son did not know he had done his SATs because the school decided to call it special agent training session SATS. So it's like well you've got to do this really important secret secret agent, secret agent work. So they did it and at the end of the week he got presented with a certificate, well done for completing your SATS week. And he was like oh yeah because I'm a secret agent now and I said do you know what SAT stands for? A secret agent trying to show you know that stands for. And he went Sats. Is it Sats? And I said, Yeah. And he said, I've done my Sats. I said, Yes, you've done your Sats. And he was like, oh, I didn't even know I'd done them. And that was brilliant because none of the children got set, stressed, days off. You know, I've been to schools where kids have had the day off and the head teacher's gone out and bought the child back. It. So you, you are coming in to do your Sats. Yeah,
0: they they put so much pressure on. There's just my daughter's school. The year two teacher was genius. She called it playing Victorians. Yeah. They would rearrange a desk and they'd all sit in line oh, and we'd play Victorians. But they yeah. did it about four or five times. And not yeah. the fifth time was the thing. She she's like, hands up, who wants to play Victorians? And they all stick their hands up, yeah. basically saying, yeah. who wants to do the SATS test? And they all put the hand yes. up. They <laughs> all did the SATS yeah. test. Yeah. But she dressed it up and there was no yes. stress and it was really yeah. well done. But then I know another school in the local authority where I'm in. Mean, yeah. Um, they are at the top. They're a teaching school, and it is pressure, pressure, pressure. The curriculum is narrowed. It's all about academic, yeah. And it's one they they get when they get to uh, year six. They even get tutors in for those doing going on to other yeah. schools and do the tests yeah. and the entrance exams. It's yeah. purely, yeah, academic. And um, and you meet them. And what what my my daughter's school? What they are amazing at is they are amazing at preparing children for secondary school yeah so overall they might not get the best SAT scores, yeah, so their SAT scores might not be the best. yeah, the other school's better, yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah. when they get to secondary school, the secondary school have told the schools the children from my daughter's school are much more prepared and ready for yeah. the challenges of secondary school. Yes, yeah. they are, I think you can say more independent, more confident. Yeah. yes. They're not being just rote led and told what to do and suddenly you get to yeah. secondary school and you're like, you're on your own. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's lots of different things. And I think SAT scores, PISA scores, and stupid things like that, you really need to think about what really makes a difference for your children. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, SAT scores mean nothing apart from head teachers yeah. and local authorities. And yeah. for teachers, it's just a misery thing. And I did see, um, it was 2018, there was a review and it was um, the Workload Advisory Group. And it was a document called Making Data Work. And I don't know if it has, I've never seen anything after it, but um, it was their recommendations are no no teacher's performance or salary should ever be linked to pupil performance. Because that is really not fair.
1: No, no, it isn't. Of course it isn't. Because, that. I mean, how could that ever be a fair process? And all that does is increase stress and anxiety. And, you know, when you look at children, we you look at the situation that we've been in with, with COVID, and we look at what we need in, what we will need to do to build up our children's resilience, their confidence, their self-esteem to know that actually the world is going to go on and they will be fine, they will be okay. None of that is measured in SATs nope. or any exam, actually. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that, that they're getting all of that. And what's the worst thing that can happen is if somebody is, like, it's like being in, in sales, isn't it? And if, if my salary is, my increase in salary is dependent on whether or not you know what a fronted adverbial is, I am going to hammer fronted adverbials at you until the cows come home because it affects me financially and personally. And that's where it, it absolutely should never be linked. The two shouldn't be linked.
0: So that year two teacher coming out and telling you that your son didn't pass yeah. his stats, he's sitting there going, yeah. thanks, cost me my yeah. pay rise. Yeah. <laughs> how is that positive yeah. for anyone? Who's that, I what's that going to make play. that person do next year? I need yeah. to get my pay rise. Yeah. Oh, okay, no, how can I get that child out of my class? Yeah. How, how is it, how is that ever going to be turned into a positive? No, well, it's not, is it? So, I hope, I really, fingers crossed, hope that 2020 is the year that people really start to think SATs are worth it. Various other changes will happen. Yeah. But the thing is, I think, I think the way the curriculum is, is a 2014 curriculum.
2: Mm.
0: I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a long time because to them, they haven't given you your assessment criteria. They've said what you yeah. should teach, but to them, they've given you flexibility. <laughs> but I, I partly also think going back to CPD is, and I often talk about my mum and child development and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff is my mum could look at a child and know, right, that's where they are. This is where they yeah. need to go next. Yes. This is how I can in- develop a whole curriculum and this is how I can do all of this. And you're not going to get that in your PGCE here. So you're no. not going to sit there and go, right, that's what I've got to teach.
2: Yeah. This is
0: how I can do it. This is how I really unlock it. And I can. you haven't yeah. got, You we need. they need more support, more training. Yeah. And then they can start really taking that curriculum and taking that content and delivering in a yeah. really good way. Because stuff yeah. like Singapore maths that might work in 20% of schools. Might not even work in that. It might just work with 30% of pupils. But there are a lot of schools who have bought it in because it's yes. a fashion, it's a fad.
2: Yeah.
0: And teachers don't like it. It's it's you've got to work out what is right for your school. There's um there's a special school called Chailey Heritage. Mm. I don't know if you know it
1: no i think no. it's
0: simon yates is the head teacher i think mm. and he is someone who hates data he d- he does data but he doesn't do it in graphs and numbers he does it in conversations and talking about things and talk about actually he yeah. was able to do this and look at this difference in photos it is data but it's not a graph it's not a number it's yeah. the uh, we've increased this by 32 percent and the standard deviation is he doesn't do that he does actually yeah. this is what makes difference Yes. If you went and listened to him talk, went, okay, let's do that in my school, it would completely fail. Yeah. Because what he's done is he has spent years building up the staff, building up the confidence, building up the knowledge, building up the belief Yeah. and showing that, but actually when we do this, look, this is the, how it works. And building that in his school and that whole school, if he stepped away, it would keep going for the next 10 years in the same style. Yeah. Because he's empowered the people in that school to do and deliver and believe. Yeah. If he went to another school and tried to do the same thing,
2: Mm.
0: three to four years, he would start. It's it's one of the things you can't just take something from school A and put it in school B. You are literally taking one piece out of a very big jigsaw and trying to hammer it into your own jigsaw.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's lots of things that are part of that. It's not one thing which makes that school work there are lots of things simon's done at that school and it might be the fact that actually they've had a senior leadership team that've been there or part of it for a long time yeah. and that consistent leadership rather than yeah. schools changing if you've got an, if you had school teachers, six head teachers in six years
2: yes
0: that's never going to help anyone there's no, no. One, uh, there's no consistency No. So there are challenges, and you can't just think, "Oh, we're going to do that." It's everyone's got to find their own way. You've got to find out how it works for you. So, yeah, the way I lead, where I lead B Squared, is very different to how someone else would lead B Squared. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got to be you, and it's got to feel genuine. Yes. And that's what I think. If more genuine you are, yes, the better you will be. Don't try and be someone else.
1: No. Well, somebody else is always taken, isn't it? It's like, what? Well, that's one of the quotes, yes. isn't it? No uh, one's better at being else. you. Somebody
0: else is taken. Yes. I was like, no, yeah. no one's better at being you than you.
1: Yeah. That's Definitely.
0: my role. I say to my yeah. daughters, is they sit there and go, oh, she's done this. It's like, yeah, yeah, she has. <sighs> but yeah, you find her annoying, don't you? Yeah. So would you rather be annoying in that or would you rather be you? She's like, like but you, you sit there <laughs> and sit there and go, you're you. Don't change. Yes. You're all, yeah. you're all heading in different directions. It might be a slight variant. Yeah. You might want to be a math teacher or I want to be an English teacher. Well, that's a very, sounds similar, but it's like there's two different paths, two different yeah. things. And your reason for becoming a math teacher might be because your mum did it. Yeah, I might become an English teacher because I had no experience and it looks quite fun. So you <laughs> will probably go much further because you've got a lot to experience to call on from your mum yeah. helping you get down that journey. And I might sit there and go, yeah. wow, she's finding it so easy, not realizing yeah. you've got this behind you. where well, I'm struggling. Yeah. But there's just so many different, everyone goes go back to children, everyone learns in a different way.
1: Absolutely. And that
0: all comes from, I think there's some quote about, you are the sum of all your experiences. Type yeah,
1: thing. yeah, yeah, very true.
0: What else can we bash the uh, 2014 curriculum about? Have we covered everything? Let's have a quick look. So I, th- I think one of the things for SEN, is it comes back to is, if your child is in the ARE, the age-related expectation zone,
1: yeah.
0: life's not too bad. Yeah. If you're beneath it, I think life is very inconsistent, and that's, anything yeah. you think about the messaging. 2014 levels are removed in 2014, and some schools mean that thought P levels are removed. Yeah, there are schools still waiting for the replacement to the P levels, not realising that pre-key stage standards is all you're going to get. Yes. Then there are then money comes into it. So we sell assessment products. So you've got to pay for it. They are amazing. They do lots. It helps you out. It gives you a community. Does all that, but it does cost. And as we we mentioned uh, previously, budgets get squeezed. SEN often loses out. So they look at that and go, "I can't spend that much money for those few children." Well, no, actually, it's going to grow over years, and there'll be much more children. But don't don't look too far into the future. Let's look now. So they look for something which is paper, and they look for something. Mm -hmm which is quite narrow, but kind of just yeah. about ticks the box they need. doesn't help yes. them further. doesn't give them extra information. It yeah. just about ticks the box they think they need. Yeah, And I think what you need for, and this is a from the 2019 Ofsted thing is, we used to, when we looked at data, we looked at, looked, looked at the boys versus the girls.
2: Yeah.
0: Free school meals versus not free school meals. You look yes. people premium yeah. versus not people premium. You looked after versus you not looked after. Your free school meals only looked after. And you're not free school meals not looked after. You used yeah. to all those graphs and then, Pull out and then say, actually, it doesn't really work that way. But you did that. In 2019, the Offset say, What does your data tell you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care which groups you look at. You are supposed to find your own groups within your school yeah. that aren't doing so well, that actually probably could do more, that are behind. That group could be uh, due to absence, it could yeah. be they come from a certain area, it could be pupil premium. It could be EAL. Yes. It could be pupils moving into the area, not settling. It's just very literally, it's what yeah. group of pupils within your school
1: yeah.
0: could be those who support a certain football team. Anyway, whatever the reason is, you identify that group. Yeah. And then you work on yeah. it. So that's yeah. what, it's. first of all, you're about to identify the group. So you've got to have that. Yeah. But then when you're identifying, well, they're not doing too well in writing. Okay. What part of writing? Well, writing okay, Yes, yes, we've got this. Is it fronted adverbials? Is it past progressive? <laughs> yeah. Is the empathy with a, Is it creating the character? Is it a plot? Is it the structure? Is it the length of writing? Is it the how many pieces? What the whole world within writing? Yeah. So just saying writing isn't good enough. No, you need something that are not working that lovely age, rated expectation bracket. If they're working yeah. beneath that, you need to pinpoint why are they working below age, rate expectation? What one area? Yeah. You might have a child in year six who, in theory, is working at year four because they haven't got everything. And they actually look at it is they've got a spiky profile and their decodings up at year six. Yeah. Their understanding of various things actually in year five and partly year six is actually only when we look at the empathy with the character and, what, and to explain why the character made that decision in the book. Yeah. That is what's holding them back at year four. And if you focus on that one area, and put support in that one area. Yeah. Then actually, they'll go from year four, maybe up to year five quite easily because you're actually be able to identify where it is they need yes. support. Yeah. So assessment is boring, but it's crucial. And I think yeah. for anyone with special needs, you can't just say, oh, they're not good at writing or they're struggling with maths. You mm-hmm. really need to be able to say their spoken language is struggling because of blah. And yes. this is what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what schools.
1: The spiky profile is is something that we always, we always talk about. I remember years ago, the first time in a meeting, I said spiky profile and the psychologist sitting next to me said, oh, that's a really good term. And I was kind of like, well, have you not heard it before? Because, you know, we've been talking about it a lot, but OK. Because, again, it's looking at children as individuals and again, we're going back to child development and it's looking at how are they progressing? So, OK, they're struggling with that bit. But this bit, they're, they're doing really well with. And, I mean, I've done drama with with students to try and get them into understanding characters and what why a character would do something and why they wouldn't do something. But there isn't, it seems to me, and obviously because I do outreach now, I'm not in class, in one class, in one school all of the time. But from what I'm observing, it seems to me that there is no, no deviation. It, it, you can't go off and do that and work with maybe a group. I've done it with a group of children. You can't go and do that anymore. It's a case of well, one, no, though, everyone has to sit here and and listen to the teacher and follow what they're being told to do. And it, again, comes from that lack of flexibility. But I really liked what you were talking about, and I've forgotten the name of the school. Are you Ch- talking Chaley about Heritage.
0: it's um, and where- Simon Yates is the man. He's the, he's the head teacher. You'll see him on Twitter. And he he he's um, is, is, is quite vocal, and he talks about stuff, and it is a great school. I think he talks at conferences and stuff, and he does a lot of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you sit there and you people, like, oh, yeah, Charlie Harris, you just do it how they do it. And you're like, wow, that's just, that's not a simple thing. There's a lot of work yeah. gone into that. Yeah. And you've got to have the buy in from your staff, and there's exactly, lots of yeah. things you've got to get in place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, but the, the data I think, is there's that flexibility is, you're sticking to this narrow plank or this path Mm -hmm. you're walking down and jumping off the end yeah but people are doing that because they haven't got their data to tell them otherwise Yes, this is where pressure due to time and various other things means actually if you did a date if you actually had assessment data and realized actually across the school there's a whole issue of loads of children struggling with this Yeah. okay let's make this a whole school priority but if you don't have that and it's one of the things I hate and I keep seeing and I will do a podcast on it is can someone recommend me a year three writing intervention what does that mean what do you want to be a year three writing intervention what level is the child working at which part of writing
2: Yeah. give me his
0: age and he's uh, something to do with writing but that's it I need more and that's where the data comes in because otherwise if you're just doing a year three writing intervention and someone goes oh try this you try it it's like yeah, yeah. actually you're doing the stuff he's already got so that's no help
2: you exactly. really need to have to yeah.
0: target it, and that needs to give data. Yeah. And if you have the data, and you can identify where you're struggling, then that will yeah. start to change your curriculum mm-hmm. as you go. And you'll go from this very strength plank into, actually, the year two teachers are yeah. really good doing that. So we've got that. And actually, she did teach it, and they got to year three level because the way she taught it, she was so in, engaged with yes. it. She pushed yeah. it up. So we don't yeah. need to do that in year three, but actually, she wasn't very good at that. So in year three, we just need to focus on this a bit more. And you will all meander along and you'll get to the same destination.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I go into, I've been into school where it's been, okay, so I need you, we've got these children who are struggling in that area, I need you to do something. Okay, right, well, first of all, I need to get to know the child. I need to find out what makes them tick, what their background is. I need to find out where they are at currently, what they think of of how things are going for them, what the staff member, and this is not a short process. You know, I can't come in and do all of that in an hour's visit or two hour visit this is an ongoing process and then you start to feel that people are thinking well what what so what are you doing what intervention are you doing well these are these are the kind of the things I think this young person might need are we doing that are we doing that
2: hmm,
1: okay can I observe that happening yes and you it. observing oh we're not doing it today because we've got whole school rehearsal for something or other or no no we're not doing that today because we're doing that we've got to focus on fronted adverbials (laughs) so we're not doing it we've chucked it out and and it's a long process it's a holistic process because you can't I can't just look at a child in front of me and go right you need this I have to have that history you have to have that you have to know what's going on for that young person where they've been where their journey's taken and no it's not overnight but actually, once you know and you lock in, I was working with, with a child who verbally, incredibly able, very engaging, using lots of, lots of good vocabulary, could not read or write a single thing in Yoto. Could not read or write a single thing. Wow. And it, unfortunately, COVID came before I could make any further progress. But just before COVID came along and, and shut that piece of work down, I'd managed to work out that she, if she sang things, she started to remember them. And then once she'd, she'd, and it goes back to what you said about speaking and listening. So, because she could speak them, we'd start to write them down and then we'd sing them. So, she'd look at them, sing the words, and she was starting to pick up words and she was starting to pick things out to read. And that was brilliant because actually, after all that time of thinking, what is going on? She's just not getting anything. It was just a simple, it was, wasn't a simple case, but for that element, it was a simple case of let's do it this way because it's stuck in her head and she'd sing it at home and she'd sing it round and about and it's stuck in her head and it helped us to make some progress. That's not something you're necessarily going to do with the whole class because it's not something that's on that strict curriculum. It, nobody says, well, try this, sing it, let's sing it. And And I think that's the frustrating thing is that, you know we've got children going through this system who and, and another child I work with she knew she knew she couldn't do what the rest of the class did again very very able verbally but she knew she couldn't do what the other children did and that affected her self-esteem so we're not just looking at kids who are struggling academically we're looking at everything else that that involves and that's my bag I'm a, you know I'm not a data person I'm you know I do like a little bit of a you know uh, an assessment tool I do like that but I'm not big on you know graphs and and charts and things but I think it's about knowing knowing that that young person and what will work for them and just you can see that progress have I got data to back it up the only data I've got is that I know that from reading and writing nothing she can now read and write six words ten words am I going to put it in a graph no
0: knowing you knowing that that is still data. And that's exactly. Some people think everything has to be graphed. Yes. Some yes. things graphed. Some things are a conversation. Some things yeah. are talking about the intervention um, at the resource base you or someone's involved with. How he the difference he was coming home. Yeah. That is data. Exactly. How but successful it's... was this intervention? When he went home, he no longer did this. He did this yeah. successful intervention.
1: But it's not data that's that's looked for
0: by. This is where um,
1: <laughs>
0: if you want to list watch me talk for over an hour, um, on the B Squared <laughs> website <laughs> under resources, there's a webinar section. If you go to the past webinars, yeah, um, I did a webinar uh back in June uh, 2020 about um how um P, P-, P levels two years on. How has assessment and how has data changed? Yeah. Um and it, it touches on it touches on those things that actually yeah. um how schools are changing their data. There's also another one further back which I did I think um February um of this year, I think yeah. or last year, can't remember, which was uh how governors and external agencies should judge progress for pupils with SEND. Yeah. It's not about okay. the amount of progress it's about how the professionals working with them feel about progress.
1: Yes, yes. I
0: could get grumpy and talk about various things and bad things for ages, um, but I'm already aware we've already been talking for an hour and 10 minutes on the Fronted Adverbial podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, we changed the name. Yep,
0: fronted Adverbials. <laughs> Nothing about new curriculum, just Fronted Adverbial. <laughs>
1: That's all that's in the new curriculum, from what I've seen.
0: So basically, if you went on one hundred and one, remember that, that program on BBC, what would you put no. in room one hundred and one?
1: Oh, room one hundred and one. Um, yeah, um,
0: first you'd be fronted adverbials.
1: <laughs> now you you need to be careful asking me this because quite often I'll say the first thing that comes into my mouth, <laughs> um, <laughs> which which was the government. <laughs> uh-huh. Probably put them into room one hundred and one. Um, yeah, I yeah the government. Yeah, I all think,
0: of them. As I, said, I, I for the podcast we were talking about, um, the introduction of the pre key stage standards and the Roche review and how long. And yes, um, we got to remember that although the primary curriculum came in for um, every child, and when I mean every, I mean government's every, which means yes, 80% of yeah. all children is every child to the government, not yes. every every.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. it's like out out. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, um, so every child that came in 2014, the uh, pre key stage standards weren't released for four years. Yeah. However, that was an improvement on the last time this happened because the original national curriculum was introduced about 1989, 1990. The first version of the P-Levels was released in 1999. Yes. And they didn't actually write them. I believe they were stolen from Hertfordshire Council.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So uh, that took 10 years. We're down to four years. Okay. Yeah. I reckon by 2100. Yeah. We might get to the same time. Fingers crossed. Mm, I think
1: I reckon it will be around about the time that I have shuffled off this mortal coil by the time they get there. But you know, I am a pessimist. I am a glass half-empty kind of person. So
0: I met someone um, a couple of years ago. I did the autism show, and there was some a parent of someone came along and talking to me, and we were putting the world to rights as we as you always do. And she stopped at the end of it. She went, "Thing you got to remember is uh, my son used to go to a special school in France. He's been to. He's been to Switzerland." England is leading the world in terms of special needs. As bad as it is here, wow, we are one of the best countries for it. Yeah, so as bad as it is, if I think she, her son was like 10 11 years old, and basically the school was just daycare, it was like yeah. an old people's home for children, just yeah. keep them alive.
1: Yes, yeah. That was
0: it. And funding support, nothing. No future career. There's loads. Actually, as bad as it is, although it's not great, it's not perfect, it's such a long way to go. There is such a long way to go. Yes,
2: yeah.
0: It's bad. But then look around other other countries, do inclusion better.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Not within education, within society.
1: Society, yeah.
0: Um, so we've got we've got more to go, but
1: yes. twenty four we'll just, just isn't helping. No, but we just have to keep. We just have to keep banging the drum.
0: Yes, and uh, after uh, Lana's put the uh, government in the uh, room one hundred and one, she's going to start the <laughs> affronted adverbial <or> political party.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, so thank you for coming on today, Lana.
1: No, thank you for having me. It's been great.
0: So we'll put a couple of links in the podcast. Um, I'll put some links about what B Squared do in there, and you can book a meeting with me if you want to find out more. I'll also see what information I can find out on the Chaley Heritage School and put some links in there yeah. if you've not heard of it. lots Brilliant. of stuff, that'll be quite interesting. Um, and you can find the show notes on our website, which is www.thesencast.com. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website. You can also sign up for our newsletter to keep up to date with the latest news. Alternatively, you can follow us on all the different social media platforms. So on Twitter, at the Sendcast, on Facebook, the Sendcast, on Instagram, the Sendcast, on LinkedIn, just search for the Sendcast. If you want to get in touch, let me know your thoughts, suggest topics, give me any feedback, anything else, please send an email to hello at the And if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, please look into the virtual Send Conference. Um, This is a conference from B squared, but it's got nothing to do with B squared. Um, it's a way of providing uh, CPD around SEND in an affordable way. Um, so it's a conference which is run over the internet. So you can access it from home, from school, wherever you are. We run it twice a year in March and November, but the sessions are always available. So once we've had the conference, you can go watch them whenever you want. Um, each conference has 12 sessions. And uh, normal conferences, you have the morning where everyone goes to, and you have different streams in the afternoon and the two you really want clash. It doesn't matter with our conference because you can watch one live and watch one later. It doesn't matter. You get all. You can watch all 12. Um, you can buy tickets for future or past events. The video is always available, as I said. And the cost for each conference is £60. And this covers the entire school, not per person, and is forever. So if you're buying that now and it's covering topics that aren't relevant for you right now, it doesn't matter. They may come more relevant in the future and you'll be able to use them in the future. Um, as a listener to SendCast, we offer you a 10% discount just by using the code SendCast10. Um, and you can find out more information on www.virtualsendconference.com. Um, and if you're a parent, um, and like the sound of all of that, but would rather like aimed at parents, we also have a parent talk. So it's using the same approach, 12 online uh, talks uh, aimed at supporting you in different stages of your journey. And we've got the introduction to all called by Carrie and David Grant, um, really good. Um, and for parents the cost is only £10 for Parent Talks and you can find out more about Parent Talks by going to www.virtualsendconference.com forward slash so thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast it's goodbye from me
1: and it's goodbye from him